Hey everybody and welcome back to Popcorn Prattle. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Marcus Sally, executive producer of Shenanigans Incorporated and one of the co-creators of Popcorn Prattle. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are but a humble podcast that enjoys talking about movies, not in a pretentious way, but as if you just saw a great movie, you went to the bar, and now you want to talk about it with your best good buddies. And of course, as always, I am joined by my best good buddies, so let me introduce you to them. First up, you know him, you love him, it's the man, the myth, the legend, it's Mr. Stephen Bailey. Stephen, say hi to the folks at home. Hi folks at home, if by chance you are listening to this podcast and I suddenly disappear from it, that just means that a transformer has blown in my neighborhood because it is constantly snowing and raining and icing in my general area. Just thought I'd let y'all know. Thanks for telling us your life story, Stephen. Lindley over here, however, <laughs> is waiting very patiently for her intro. You know her, you love her. She's the ever so lovely, the ever so talented. Y'all, it's Miss Lindley Key. Lindley, say hi to the folks at home and let them know your own weather situation since we're doing that now. Hi. I'm here and I'm awake. What's the weather like? It's raining. They said it was going to snow, and now it's just raining. I'm sad. Oh. (laughs) They said it was supposed to snow Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It snowed for maybe a couple hours Friday morning, and by the afternoon, it was gone. But I feel like... Now it's just rain and gross and cold, and I don't know why I live somewhere where the wind hurts my face. But I feel like that would be better in new york city than than snow i figured rain would be preferred yeah but at least snow is pretty like the first (laughs) snow is always magical and then two days later when it's on the sidewalk all gray and dirty you're like oh this is fun oh lord hashtag new york problems (laughs) audience we have a great non-weather related show for you (laughs) <laughs> um, it is going to be fantastic. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to our last episode, please make sure that you check it out. Because guess what? We made our second annual Butterbowl nominations, baby. And I am so excited. Lindley has been telling us. And we've gotten a couple of votes in. If you have not gotten your votes in, I'm going to put a link in the description. Uh, please make sure that you hit that link. Don't worry. It's not a virus. Um, you don't have to pay for anything. We don't even want your emails. The only thing we want from you are your votes on who Souls. you would like. Oh. What? What? what L- L- Lindley, that. Uh, sorry. L- that, that's Lindley. a different thing. Yeah, we want shh, your votes. Shh, shh, shh. That's the after show. Oh, just sorry. just make sure you sign next to the line that says uh, Stan. Yes, Stan. There's definitely not a second A in there in a microscopic font. But hey, if you sign do it. next to Stan. But if you do it, you get crazy witch powers a la Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is nominated. See how I brought that back around? Which is nominated on the second annual uh, Butterball. So be sure to check that out. Um, if you really enjoy this episode, if you like what we're putting down and you're like, man, I got to listen to Popcorn Prattle more often. Guess what you have to do? All you have to do is you go on iTunes, you go on Spotify, Stitcher, 
iHeartRadio, wherever fine podcasts are consumed, and you hit that subscribe button, you hit that like button for us, go ahead and leave us a funky fresh review. Leave us five stars, ten stars. I know it doesn't go all the way that high, but you get what I'm saying. Leave us some uh, some stars, some reviews, so that everybody knows that Popcorn Prattle is indeed the Film Talk podcast to listen to. <gasps> Now that we've gotten through that, let us go through uh, today's slate of topics. Uh, we are bringing back Netflix picks. Um, I've gotten a chance to to watch a couple of great Netflix series. Um, Lindley is going to talk a little bit about a, a Netflix series that has been on Netflix, but I have never heard of it, or I think I've heard like rumblings about it, and I hear it's good, uh, but Lindley's going to talk a little bit more about it for us. Uh, we have brought our trail roundup uh, with John Wick 3, Ghostbusters, and of course, Spider-Man Far From Home. You did not think that we were just going to have this show and not talk about that. Um, and of course, the big movie that came out this weekend it's first name Mr. Last name Glass. Uh, Lindley and I got a chance to see it. Um, and so yeah, we're, we we're going to give you a spoiler free review of Glass. Um, and we will let you know our thoughts. And uh, hopefully you will uh, check out the check out the movie. Or maybe we hated it. And then maybe you don't check it out. The critics hated it. But the people love it. What did we think? Stay tuned. Steven, Lindley, are you ready? Ready. Ready. Guys, let's prattle. So, uh, first up, guys, because uh, we haven't gotten a chance to do a, a nugget in a while, a um, couple of couple of smaller things came out. But the thing that I want to talk to you guys about is uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. A live action uh. adaptation was announced. Um, if you guys don't remember, audience, if you don't remember, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame was a kick-ass uh, cartoon that came out. Well, I mean, it's I mean, it was a book, and you know, the plays have been made about it, and movies have been made about it. Um, but in particular, Disney did an extraordinary film of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, it is by far one of my favorites, um, mm-hmm. and it's just just the. I mean, it was, I just remember thinking, like, as a kid, I was like, this is beautiful. Um, Oh, yeah. This is so pretty to look at. And the music was just, it was so haunting. It was so, I remember watching Disney Channel and, uh, you know, they used to do those, like, behind the scenes of, like, the movies and stuff that you could tell, like, were made for adults. But I remember as a kid thinking, like, oh, man, this is, like, so cool. Um, mm-hmm. Just everything that they're that they're putting into this movie. Um, so great. Yeah, yeah. So to hear that they're making, I mean, we, I mean, we knew that it was coming because um, they keep making these live adaptations of their old uh, Disney products. Uh, what do we think? There are no new ideas anymore. <laughs> what do we think about this one, though? Um, what do we think about the Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, getting a live adaptation? I mean, I have my thoughts, but Stephen, do you want to go first? Yeah, you know, I remember being like you, Marcus, really excited when the movie was coming out because I remember thinking, like, "Wow, this looks so epic and so." Um, really just looks really, really good. And 
I, I remember as a kid sitting in the theater watching it and thinking like, you know what? I feel like there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's going over my head. It was like the first time as a kid where I felt aware that there were concepts and topics that I could mm-hmm. not really relate to. And I kind of told myself, like, you know what? I think when I get older, I'm going to appreciate this movie more. And it's so weird because kids don't think like that. Right. You know, but like for that particular movie, I did. And it was true. I did. I did come to appreciate it a lot more as an adult because I think it really is um, one of, if not the best Disney Renaissance film. Mm -hmm. It's it's right up there. I think it Uh, kind of marked the end of the Disney Renaissance. Yeah. Like yeah. the beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because cause no movie ever made it as financially successful as The Lion King no. uh, after that. Um, so I think a lot of people kind of consider that the peak. But, I mean, th- this was definitely a movie that, you know, they still had their A-game on. Um, I got to be honest, I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, on one hand, I do feel like a dark, grittier uh, take on Hunchback of Notre Dame, especially uh, Disney's take, uh, could be good. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I am the eternal skeptic when it comes to these Disney live action remakes, because like you just said, Lindley, why why are they acting like there's no more original ideas that they can go through. I feel like they're just, this is what this is. This is rebranding a product Mm -hmm. and it's like, and it's just, it's hard for me to buy something that's just going to be a remake of a movie that I already have. And I've already seen. It's like, if I'm just going to get a live action version of the cartoon, why not just watch the cartoon? Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's got to go a little bit further than just, remaking it it's got to bring its own voice to it it's got to it's got to do something unique with it to draw me in i think so i'm cautiously optimistic Mm. but what are your thoughts lindley here's my thing so i was lucky enough to see the stage production of hunchback of notre dame and not the Mm -hmm. not the one they had at mgm studios back in the day at disney world Sorry, it's now Hollywood Studios and not MGM Studios. It's mm-hmm. still MGM to me. Uh, this was, it first was at the La Jolla Playhouse in California. Then it came over to the Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey. And it was like officially licensed by Disney. New music by Alan Menken. And it was, it took the problems and the kiddiness of the Disney version and brought it more back to the Victor Hugo novel. Ooh. So Frollo was back to being a priest. He had the kind of prologue at the beginning for the Bells of Notre Dame mm-hmm. was Frollo's backstory and not just Gypsy's hiding. And it gives him gives you a little bit more understanding as to why he doesn't like the gypsies and why he feels the way about Quasimodo that he does. Mm. Uh, it's not, you know, justifying it at all. It's just given an explanation mm. of, let's see, there's no happy ending. 
gosh. It keeps the Victor Hugo ending. Oh. Uh, Phoebus is still uh, not the jerk he is in the book. Uh, let's see. Oh, and there's no a guy like you, a guy like you. <laughs> what they do, and this is so brilliant about the stage production, is the ensemble, it almost has a storytelling vibe to it because the ensemble are serving as storytellers. And when Quasimodo first comes out, he comes out as the actor. And when he does like this makeup smear on his face, his whole body changes mm-hmm. to where he's the hunchback. And it's brilliant. Anyway, the ensemble serves as like the voices in Quasimodo's mind. So it's not, oh, these gargoyles are like, oh, they're living, breathing things and it's magical. No, they're like, oh, this is all in his mind. Mm-hmm. And they make Quasimodo deaf, hmm. which he's supposed oh. to be. So if they can take what they did in the stage production and put that in the movie, Mm -hmm. take out the kiddiness of it. I know it's going to be hard because it's Disney. There's a reason why it's not on Broadway and Frozen is, which I'm still salty about that because it was so, so fantastic and so well made. And so much, like, I love, I love the movie. But if we're talking about the actual story of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, it brings it back to reality. And that's what I love about it. Mm. So what I want to see is more of the stage version, less, uh, you know, comedic gargoyles. Mm. Mm-hmm. I because the, the goat was in the books. I'm okay with the goat. <laughs> Dolly. I'm okay with Dolly. I, I would like to see that too. When we, I'm I'm gonna keep it real with you. Here's the thing. Knowing Disney, they're probably gonna keep it closer to, and based on what we've been seeing from these movies, they're gonna keep it closer to the film. I know. Um, I don't want that. But, though. I mean. I mean, it's. I mean, I feel like it's fine. It's okay if you're gonna do that. I mean, I mean, I'm thinking about. I didn't particularly like it for, um, you know, looking at Aladdin. I didn't like the shot for shot thing. Um, but I watched the Lion King teaser again. Um, I liked it shot for shot. I really did. Um, because to me, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with this movie. Like, you don't need to change much. Um, but then I, then you get into the argument of, like, then why do you need this movie in the first place? Um, that's, that's my only thing um, with making a live action version of a movie that's already been done and is already great. There's no need. There's no reason for it. Um, and like I said, I mean, you, you could have... Uh, you know, kind of a Beauty and the Beast effect where, you know, you 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 remake the movie essentially, but you add like a couple of things from like deleted scenes or like songs that were in the Broadway musical. You add those things into it to make it like a little bit fresher. Um, but it's kind of for me, it's like I don't know. I feel like I'll still enjoy it. Even if it's shot for shot, even if there are the gargoyles in it, um, because again, I feel like 
if you're going to remake, if you're going to redo, if you're going to make a live action version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, um, my thing is there are a lot of adult themes in this. So when you show this movie, you know, especially in this day and age when, you know, you know, Stephen, probably the reason why, you know, you or I didn't get it was because we didn't have access to the same technology as kids today to be like, oh, what does this yeah. mean? Oh, that's what that means. Um, whereas, you know, kids can Google stuff in the theater uh, if they want to. So my yeah. thing is, you know, do you play up those adult themes do you embrace it because if you embrace it then go the route of the of the musical right because yeah. the musical sounds a lot more mature um and is made for a more adult audience or an older audience i guess i should say um whereas the movie kind of got away with that stuff because of the time that it came out and they still made it kind of kid friendly hence the gargoyles so, I mean, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Again, I'm, uh, I'll probably see it probably when it comes out on video, um, to be quite honest with you. I, I probably won't see it in theaters unless, like, I have a group or something that wants to see it. Um, but that's just me. Uh, guys, let's go on to our Netflix picks. Lots of stuff has come out on Netflix. Um, uh, matter of fact... Just to plug the Butter Bowl once again, most of our picks on on uh, best streaming uh, uh, picks is uh, they come from Netflix, um, which is great. Um, so I got a chance to see three things. One was a, a series of unfortunate events, season three. I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to watch it yet. It is absolutely they do not miss one thing in this season it was a perfect way to wrap up the series um neil patrick harris is still doing his thing he is still hilarious um i this was this was the first time though i think in the series that i cared about everybody including uh one of the henchmen the guy with the hook hands i loved him he, i love that they gave him a story he is so great in this he is so great in this season um i mean you would you would think that he was a, a series regular um i mean as far as like having lines and being integral to the story from the beginning uh, but to say like he just now got like a storyline in uh in season three it's great. It's wonderful. Um, I I mean, I haven't finished. These are definitely the books that I have not read because um, I kind of mm -hmm. stopped, uh, I think, after oh. the lumber mill. Um, that's when I I think that's when oh, I kind of fell man. off the track of reading it. Um, oh, man. You, you with, stopped like right when they started getting really, really good. Yeah. I, but this, I mean, I was just, um, I was completely wrapped up in, uh, in this TV show. Um, audience, if you have not gotten a chance to see a series of unfortunate events, I encourage you. Um, it is the best time that you will have in your life. Um, I, I know I'm probably overselling it. I don't really care. Um, I, I just enjoy it. 
I really, really do. And I was, I was laughing so hard um, whenever he, because there's a part where Count Olaf is like, he's like, I finally have you in my clutches, orphans. Um, no, you don't, actually. We're just going with you. No, I've got you in my clutches. I mean, he's like, and I mean, he's like, I mean that figuratively. He's like, do you mean literally? No, he's like, I mean that literally. Do you mean figuratively? No, I mean it literally. It was, I love it. Love it, love it. Uh, the uh, the second show that I got a chance to see was uh, Friends from College. Uh, I think I mentioned this show to you guys before. Um, it's got an all-star cast in it. Colby Smulders is in it. Um, Fred Savage is, is, is in it. Um, uh, Michael Key um, from Key and Peele, he is in it um, as one of these as one of the central characters. And um, have you guys ever seen it before? I tried. Okay, I tried like the first two episodes of season one, and I got bored. I got you. I, I, I'd say I tried. I tried. I um I I thoroughly enjoyed season one. I I like season one because I like this. Well, I like the series because it feels like um like how like when I watch How I Met Your Mother, right? I related so much to that because I was like, I am, I'm this age. I get it. I get what these, what these group of friends are going through right now. Um, and then when I was watching friends from college, that's the same feeling that I got. Like I thought about you guys. I thought about, you know, some of my other friends from college and how I related to them. And I was like, if I was near them, these would probably be the same childlike shenanigans that we'd probably still be getting into um, because these these adults, um, unlike in real life uh, with my friends, these adults refuse to grow up. Um, and so in the first in the first season, you know, it's all about this uh, and I'm getting in a slight spoiler territory. First season is all about how two of the characters are uh, having this love affair even though they're both married um, and one of the, you know, one of the couples is uh, both, both of them are in the friend group. Um, And so the season two kind of deals out, deals with the fallout of that. And what do they do next? How, how does this friend group kind of stay together? Um, Even though now this huge secret's been revealed and feelings are hurt um you know like what's who do you hang out with what side do we choose do we choose any side do we just hang out with everybody um it's still got that it's still got that same exact uh kind of fresh comedy to it uh that you found in the uh in the first season um the end however there's a twist at the end uh that you do not see coming at all and for me it's weird because I feel like in the first se- in the first season, a lot of people did not like the ending um, because they felt like they were rewarding bad behavior. Whereas in this season, I felt like they were kind of backtracking a little bit. Whereas I was like this, I'm like what you guys did in the first season. I'm like that feels more realistic. That feels like more of like what would happen. Um, whereas this kind of this this is the thing you know this is kind of like my fast and the furious all the cars block a nuclear sub uh scenario (laughs) it's like this is the thing that i don't buy everything else i bought this one though this one you cross the line 
Um, but again, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I understand if you guys don't, don't care for friends from college, it might not be for everybody. Uh, but audience definitely give it, give season one a shot. If you get through, if obviously if you get past the, uh, episode two, um, you make it to the (laughs) end. Um, it's not a very long series. I think it's like five or six episodes. Uh, season two is just as short. Um, so please definitely check it out. Uh, Lindley, kind of going over to you because I I got a chance to do two. Uh, what is this? What is this dancing queen? Explain this one to me. So I think we got a little bit of my new obsession in the last episode when I made essay category is. <laughs> but I recently discovered RuPaul's Drag Race and it is amazing. I love it. It's kind of my new guilty pleasure. And from this guilty pleasure, I found a show on Netflix called Dancing Queen. So there was a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, her name was Alyssa Edwards. Uh, she was kind of, she kind of got a reputation as being kind of infamous on the show. Mm-hmm. Turns out she's like a professional dancer and she runs a, um, what do you call it? Oh, she runs a dance studio in Texas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's about her. It's like her. It's kind of a few different stories. You have her running the dance studio mm-hmm. and all of the drama with the moms and things like that. But you also have her in Texas doing what she does with being Alyssa Edwards, that persona. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And doing shows and meeting people. And having parties and stuff with her family. Right. It's really interesting Hmm. to see contestants from that show in real life and what they do. Mm -hmm. And I've never been one for shows like Dance Moms or things like that. But this, I I was sick and I binged the entire show in one night. Wow. It was pretty great. And it reminds me of... You know, I grew up taking dance. Mm -hmm. I did the whole competition thing. I was never, like, intense into the dance competitions, Mm -hmm. but I knew people who were. And just seeing that, there's there's one episode where the moms drive a teacher to quit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's awful. And it's such good TV. It's Mm -hmm. trash TV, and I love it. Right, right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so if you want, if you like RuPaul's Drag Race and you want some entertaining trash TV, watch Dancing Queen. I feel like everybody, I feel like it's a requirement. There has to be some bit of trashy TV yep. that you just enjoy watching. And you know what? And you And you talk about it, you know, kind of unashamed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you just you it's you know it's trash, you acknowledge it, but doggone it if you won't tune in for every single episode. So that's great. I yep. I probably will not watch Dancing Queen, but I, I have heard good things about it <laughs> from some of my friends. Um what I will tell you though, uh as the snap continues to uh be felt throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's already claimed the lives of Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Um, <laughs> the Punisher season two has come out. Uh, the also series finale. I'm 
I'm sure. Uh, the Punisher is, um, it was, it's a pretty good season so far. I, I've only gotten a chance to see four episodes. Uh, matter of fact, as soon as I'm done with the podcast, I'm probably going to watch a few more. Um, but it's, uh, oh my gosh, guys, this, this move, this show is, um, the fight choreography in it is so much more brutal, I feel, than than Daredevil. Daredevil's a lot more stylized with his fight choreography. Um, whereas with Punisher, there's a scene where uh, these hitmen uh, are trying are go- are trying to kill this girl in um, in the ladies' room, and Punisher like stumbles it like he stumbles in the back he's like oh i'm looking for this girl and he's acting like he's drunk and the guy's like oh i think she left dude And he's like yeah she left and he's like yeah and he proceeds to just beat the hell out of everybody um in a very very like close confined space and he just makes it look like it's nothing um like it's just it it's it's just great um i love kind of the the transition in character for frank castle in this one uh in the first season it's all about him uh not being able to um it's all about him finding out who killed his family um which of course he finds out and then proceeds to kill them because he's the punisher um this season however it's been about uh well it's still early on but essentially he is trying to live his life. The government's like, hey, we're going, because you helped us uncover this conspiracy within our own military, we're going to ignore the fact that you killed a whole bunch of people and give you a new identity. Just promise never to kill anybody ever again. He agrees until he has to kill all the people in the bathroom. Then, after that, the old Frank Castle is back with a vengeance. Um, He is he's not wearing his uh, uh, trademark skull just yet. Um, but already, guys, I am hooked. Here's my biggest complaint about it. This might as well not be a Marvel product. Really? There is no reference other than the fact that his that it's the Punisher. And he, and don't get me wrong, John Bernthal is the Punisher. He's a great Punisher, okay? But... This might as well not be a Marvel product because there's no references to the MCU at all. Um, I mean, not that all the Netflix, not that any of the Netflix series really have a reference, um, but this one especially, like, noticeably does not have any references to the larger MCU. Um, Which, again, as I said with season one, that's a big issue. Because I would love, as a movie fan, as a former military brat, as a comic book fan, I would love to know how does the military deal with essentially being obsolete in a world where you have Iron Man, you know? You have mm-hmm. you have Captain America, who is, like, the best soldier in the world. You have the Avengers. Um, what, what does that feel like? Because of course, Frank Castle, he does not have powers. He just shoots really well. And even in the Marvel universe, especially in Daredevil season three, we even see he doesn't even shoot as well as someone like Bullseye. Like Bullseye literally does not miss. 
Um, so that's why they call him. Bullseye. That's why they call him Bullseye. <laughs> except in miss. Except huh? in yeah. Except stop. in season no, three. No, Colin Farrell, stop it. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry. I just I can't get over Colin Farrell's Bullseye. <laughs> Watch Daredevil season three. I guarantee you so much so much better portrayal of bullseye it's i mean it's it that is bullseye um but anyways um definitely check out punisher season two it's great it's fantastic i have no idea where they're going with uh with this series at all um i mean i know it's probably going to end but and to be quite honest, again, like I said, there's no MCU references. So ultimately, you don't even need it to exist. I mean, you could just keep it going and just say that it doesn't exist in the larger MCU. Because um, right now, it doesn't. Um, audience, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, and then when we come back, we will give you our trailer roundup. So stay tuned. Ladies, we all know the best part of the day is when you finally get home and get rid of the one thing you've been dreaming of ditching for hours, your bra. If you're like me, sometimes you don't even make it to the front door. Hi, I'm Erin Whitehead, host of the Braless Podcast, where once a week I kick back, relax, and have fun conversations with different guests about all kinds of topics. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me on the Brawless Podcast, unhooked and unleashed. So, we got our trailer roundup. It it is back. We haven't done. I feel like we haven't done a trailer roundup in a while, have we? I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, but I feel like we got. I feel like we got. Three strong contenders as far as uh, talking about some trailers. Um, we have finally gotten John Wick 3 Parabellum. Um, not whatever the heck you guys were talking about at the beginning of the show. Parabellum. <laughs> Jesus wept. The way, it, the way it's spelled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Parabellum. Uh, we got a Ghostbusters sequel tease. Um, which got dropped. I didn't even I didn't even know about it until it got dropped in our Facebook group. Um, and Spider Man Far From Home, uh, which came out, and I immediately I immediately uh, jumped on YouTube in order to see it. So of course we're gonna build to that. Um, let's start off. Listen, audience, I I'm just gonna take over here. These two are not gonna watch John Wick uh, three. Me, on the other hand, I will be there day one because this looks just amazing. I love the world uh, that they have created in the John Wick universe. Um, I've been talking to a couple of my friends. Uh, a lot of them I talked to last night at poker about John Wick 3. All of them were super excited about it. Um, we all acknowledge that. Is this a dumb movie? Uh, kinda. Um, it, it, it is. Um, it, I, I described it as it is, it is a notch above Fast and Furious tier, right? Fast and Furious is not a smart movie. You can turn your brain off of that movie and be like, oh, okay, well, that was a fun popcorn flick. Um, John Wick 3 
is a notch above that because it doesn't have the corniness of just talking about family. Um, but the thing that doesn't uh, take completely out of the tier is the fact that it has this elaborate world of assassins where people are paying for things with gold coins um, and are, uh, you know, there's like blood packs um, that, you know, like if someone, if someone like presses their hand on like this, on this coin, they have to like then do whatever this other person says and people honor it. Um, you can't kill people in the hotel. Otherwise you get killed yourself and are excommunicated. What does all that mean? They never tell you. But you're so intrigued that you almost don't care because I feel like you can kind of um, figure it out. It's like a, as I described to somebody, it's a less pretentious Assassin's Creed. If Assassin's Creed um, was a better movie, it would be John Wick. Uh, John Wick in this one uh, is on the run. He killed somebody. I won't spoil who, but he killed somebody in the uh, Hotel Continental in New York. Uh, and then he is pronounced excommunicado um, by this assassin organization, meaning there is a price on his head and everybody in New York City is going to kill him. Um, and what I love in the trailer is uh, 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 Winston, the hotel owner, um, who is kind of John Wick's friend slash father figure. Um, he's being talked to by the um, by the hotel manager, and he's like, he's like, so John Wick's excommunicado. Yep. He's like, every assassin in New York is going to be looking for him. Yep, with a million dollar bounty on his head. What? Why don't you seem scared? He's like, because at least now the odds are in their favor. And I'm just like, that is the most badass thing I've ever heard. Because this guy, this guy really cannot die. He's in such situations that. I, I, I just, I, my mind just explodes in every single fight scene um, in John Wick. And this one is going to be, hopefully, uh, no different. I don't know if this is the last one. Probably not, because I feel like it's going to do very well at the box office. Um, it won't get Steven or Lindley's money. But it will definitely no. get my money a couple <laughs> of times, and I'll be getting it on Blu-ray uh, because I I love it, and I will. I still I will haven't seen the first one. So good! It's so good! Oh my gosh! This man literally loses his mind because they kill his dog. That's not an exaggeration. What I heard the I whole know. plot is they kill yeah. his dog and <laughs> steal his car, and then he starts killing people. I was like, you're simplifying it. That is the legit plot. <laughs> and the first and the and then the second movie, it begins with him being like, I want my car back. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love it so much. It's so good. The oh, this is John this is Keanu Reeves. This is the movie that he was made for. It really is. Because he he crushes this role. Um moving on. To a movie that you guys will actually probably see, um, or at least want to talk about, um, Ghostbusters got announced uh, to have an official sequel. I guess kind of like a soft reboot. It's not in the same universe as the female it Ghostbusters. Is. Hmm? 
No, it's in the same universe as the first. That's what I'm saying. It's not because it, the female Ghostbusters, that's not in the same universe. Mm-mm. But this one, this sequel, this actual sequel is one to the original, you know, one and two um, with Dan Aykroyd and them with a D. Um, the sequel tease, I, I was digging it. I was kind of, I was kind of scared. I was kind of freaked out a little bit. Um, got a little, got a little nostalgic. Got a little excited when I saw the uh, Ecto One, and then when I heard the, uh, when I heard the uh, photon rays uh, start to fire up, again, got a little excited. Um, don't know what they're gonna do in this movie. Don't know what the plot is. Don't know anything really. Uh, so this is just first glance, just based off of this. Um, I'm excited. And that's all I can say, because that's all I saw. <laughs> what about you two? Like, do, why do we need this, though? Why? Do- like, after the last Ghostbuster movie, who was asking for this? Oh, well, a lot of people were. Really? Yeah, more so it- than the, more so than that one. I feel like because... If the female Ghostbusters, here's my thing. If the female Ghostbusters was set in the same universe, nobody, a lot of people wouldn't have had an issue with it. But because it no, was trying. they had an issue with it because the neckbeards were like, oh, it's female Ghostbusters. And then all the rest of us were like, it's just not a good movie. Well, that was, well, that, okay. So I will say, I'll speak for myself then. That was my big thing with it. My big thing was, I was like, it's not in the same universe. So why should I care? Mm. I was like. You know, because you're you're basically trying to retell the story, but it's like if you already have the fr- if you already have the groundwork, just build on that. Don't try to make something new. Just build on the on the story that you already have. Like, why reinvent the wheel? So that for me, that's why I'm more excited for this than I am for the female Ghostbusters. <clears throat> I just I don't know. It does give me a little hope that it is being directed by the son of the man who directed the first one. Right. That gives me a little more hope. But you know what I want to see? Don't make it just all male Ghostbusters. Don't make it just all female. Do like integrate. I think it, I think that's to me, for me, I'm hoping the same thing, Mm -hmm. Lindley. I'm really hoping Mm -hmm. that it's just a, a, a mishmash of the next generation. Didn't they do that in the cartoon? Steven, you probably know. Yeah. This seems like a thing that you know. <laughs> Steve was like, I saw that obscure what? cartoon once. I feel like you just... You it was know not it. obscure. It, it's obscure. It's, <laughs> was it's not. a bit obscure. The real Ghostbusters was not obscure. It's a bit obscure. Now, what was obscure was the cartoon show called Ghostbusters by, I think, Funimation, because that had nothing to do with Ghostbusters, not the way, not what you're thinking. Of. Thank you for proving my point. Please continue. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote Syndrome here from The Incredibles and just go too late. Fifteen years too late. No. Um, yeah. Okay, so my thoughts on the uh, Ghostbusters 2016 were that it was an okay movie. There were parts I laughed at. The The plot wasn't anything, you know, too special, but it was okay. It was a fine movie. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I didn't, it was just, yeah, had a had a fun night out at the movies, basically. Um, 
But uh, really, for years and years and years, and this is my problem with this, I'll just say that I really did like the teaser. And like you, Marcus, I kind of got goosebumps watching it. Mm. And then when the uh, proton pack charges up uh, at the end there, I kind of just was like, mm. and, um, you know, I felt like I felt like a little kid again. Um, but here is my problem. The fans wanted a Ghostbusters three for many, many years mm-hmm. uh, before uh and they just kept putting it off and they kept putting it off longer and longer. And then suddenly Bill Murray didn't want to do it. And the only one it seemed like who really, really wanted to see something happen was Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it they just, you know, nothing ever materialized. They kept putting it off. And then Harold Ramis passed away. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they get their act together and they make Ghostbusters 2016. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people didn't want that. Um, they wanted Ghostbusters 3, and now without Harold Ramis, a lot of them were uh, not going to get that. Mm. Now, yes, there were a lot of people, I think, who were like, I'm not going to see it because it's all girls. Right. And I'm not, I am not, yeah, yeah, not, not, I am, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people who really wanted to see the original team mm-hmm. come back together. And I kind of feel like this might be... I don't, I don't want to use the expression too little too late, but I mean, think about it. Harold Ramis, I mean, he's gone. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's, you know, a core member of the team we're not going to get to see. Um, I feel, I and this is an issue I had with the originals, I always felt like Ernie Hudson, he was always like cast to the side and he never really became very active until like the last third of both movies. Because they didn't like um, him. Well, right, but I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like, why not? He was, he was so cool, right? Um, but he wasn't Eddie. About the Twinkies, <laughs> yeah. And um, and I mean, there's, there's, there's the last I heard was, it's really uncertain if Bill Murray even wants to do this. So it's, I it's clearly, it. yeah. So I mean, it's I clearly going to be. I don't even be, uh, Dan Aykroyd wants to do this. I don't. I don't know. I think he still does. Yeah. Um, this because like he came Dan out. Aykroyd had his name written all over it. Yeah, and I mean, it's like you know, that's fine. I just, I don't know. I I'll need to see a trailer. Um, it would be nice to see an actual like passing of the baton to a new generation of Ghostbusters, which is what I think a lot of us thought. You know, Ghostbusters 2016 was going to be, but it turned out to be its own you know, time and place. Mm-hmm. And um, that didn't bother me personally that much. Uh, but for a lot of fans, I think it did. And, um, you know, my my take was that, you know, I think the, the ship on Ghostbusters 3 set sail, really the closest thing we got to it uh, was Ghostbusters the video game for the Nintendo Wii, mm-hmm. which if anyone's played that, it's actually a pretty fun game. Uh, Because that actually did get all of the original Ghostbusters to reunite. And it tells a plot that, you know, is, you know, it represents the old ones, but it also kind of. So I think that's just my thoughts. I'll need to see a trailer, Mm -hmm. Uh, a little more concrete idea of where they're going. And I I, I really hope it's not just going to try to cash in on nostalgia. You know, I really want them to do something special with it. 
you know. I mean, the thing you is, can only hope for the best. Yes, yes. I mean, the thing is, I mean, you, I mean, you gotta, I mean, you guys gotta think too. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of products that are coming out now that are just rehashes of something old, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, a bad thing. You know, I mean, we talked about we talked about that with uh, Men in Black International. I mean, Men in Black Three is a great ending for the Men in Black series. But yeah. what they seem to be doing with it, besides expanding the universe, um, they also just seem to be, um, you know, kind of creating something, creating something that we haven't seen. We didn't know that there was a London division of the Men in Black. Um, and so that's going to be interesting to see. Um, and just kind of this new dynamic before it was the old cop and the young rookie cop. Here's the hotshot male uh, men in black agent. And here is the smart, quirky uh, female agent um, that's coming out. So I feel like, you know, if they go the route of here is a passing of the torch movie um, Mm. that I feel like that is that's the only story that you probably should tell with the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like and trying to do anything else, um, you're just going to have a rehash of what happened last time um, with the reboot of Ghostbusters. Everyone's just going to kind of be disappointed with it. Um, not for the same reason that the neckbeards are disappointed with it, but <laughs> who, but again, who likes them anyway? Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, this movie, I'm super excited to talk to you guys about Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter's feeling a whole lot better, and he <laughs> is oh my gosh, he is kicking so much ass in London in Mario London town. Um and Venice. And Venice. Um all over Europe, really. Because you know, in, in Amazing Spider-Man 2, you know, he, he even says in that, you know, England's got crime. Jack the Ripper, they they never caught him. <laughs> so we might see a Jack the Ripper cameo. In Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I doubt that. R.I.P. Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I would love... Actually, you know what I want to see in Spider-Man Far From Home? Just to just to really kind of like hit, hit it right on the nail. Um, I want uh, Andrew Garfield to be in it. But as... <laughs> oh, but no. he plays... He's an actor that's playing Jack the Ripper. Stop. But he also steals things, and Spider-Man catches him, and, and he's just like, "All right, here you go," and then he just go, and then movie continues. I would be the only person in the audience that like, "Ha ha," and then keep it moving. How how did that laugh go again? Ha ha. You got it. Got it's like it's like a shelf. It's like a shelf of a laugh. Ha ha. <laughs> um, no. but, but guys, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Um, this, I'm super excited. This truly is the year of the Spider-Man. Um, badass video game. Okay. Venom did much better than what a lot of people thought it would. Probably because it wasn't hard. Um, you know, people just wanted to see at least some, something nice from Venom. Even it was like, uh, Tom Hardy being weird and having a weird accent for two hours. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out. 
this uh, he had a oh sorry he had a great showing in uh infinity war spider-man far from home looks to be capitalizing on that um i know a lot of people were very excited when the trailer came out um there was a whole lot of discussion on like everything that i like youtube twitter instagram facebook everybody was talking about this trailer um spider-man is going over to europe he's on a european trip and we get confirmation that at least one other person survives endgame and that is nicholas j fury who shows up wait is his middle name really j yeah or is that just because the same oh never mind no i mean <laughs> no no Lindley, it's not because samuel l jackson's name is samuel l jackson Okay. Yes. <laughs> just, just wondering. Continue. Nicholas, I had a brain cramp for a it's moment. It's okay. Uh, Nicholas J. Fury uh, shows up and recruits Spider-Man. I don't know where, because he apparently he leaves the suit in New York, um, but is provided a new suit by Nick Fury. My big question is Shield back. We have not seen them since the collapse when Hydro got uh, revealed. Um, but it looks to me like he also wears the Spider-Man noir suit, which is exciting. And I'm hoping that my girl Shuri made it for him and that she's recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. Because um, that would be sweet. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is in this as Mysterio. Um Mysterio looks good. That's what I'm excited about. Mysterio looks good, but I I'm curious though. I wanted because you know in the comics uh, it's um it's all illusions. That's that's Mysterio's thing. But in this, it almost looks similar to the Doctor magic Strange. used in Doctor Strange. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. and I would love for and I said this in the Facebook group. I would love for Mysterio to be a disciple of Baron Mordo. That Baron Mordo is like, I need, I'm going to need help if I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to train you as my apprentice. Um, And so he uses his powers to maybe kind of infiltrate, um, you know, the world, like the society um, post Infinity War when possibly heroes are being accepted again. Um, I'm going to talk, I want to talk more about it, but I also want to get you guys thoughts um either one of you can start what did you think of the trailer what are you hoping for would you not like go (laughs) help me out i really liked the look of mysterio i think Mm -hmm. that's what i'm most excited about Mm -hmm. and the i will say the stakes don't look too high Mm -hmm. um like it does seem with the whole you know, things being made out of water and other elements. That seems like it might be the only thing going for it. That's still a big thing, but not as big as what we have had in other movies. Like, what do you mean? But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because we're all going to be coming off of Infinity War during this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, we're, I'm guaranteeing we're all going to still be depressed by what Infinity War is going to give us. So this will be a nice, hey, it's okay. Stop crying now. Here's something to laugh at. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Steven, what about you? 
Okay, you know, I I am sorry to rain on everybody's parade, but I did not like Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, <gasps> what? No, 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 remember he told us this, and we told I him he forgot, was lying. but what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my fundamental problem with it was that it wasn't Peter Parker. Um, this felt like... the. <sighs> Even though they gave, like, mild acknowledgement that something happened uh, with his Uncle Ben, he didn't really proceed like someone who had actually learned anything from it. Uh, He proceeded like a whiny little kid who was just really excited to have an internship with Mr. Stark, and they almost, it's like they repurposed whatever lesson, you know, with... You know, if you've got the ability to do great things, then you've got a moral obligation to do those things. Uh, Do you get what I'm trying to say, Peter? It's like they gave that mentality to um, Tony Stark, but it just it just felt like the whole reason he wears a suit is to protect his loved ones. And he keeps revealing his identity to everyone. And then in this trailer, okay, either Aunt May is like... I I don't get it. Like, it, I don't know if I'm supposed to read it as she thinks he's just like a school mascot, uh, in which case she's a complete idiot. Or if she knows that he's really Spider-Man at this point. Um, she does. Well, yeah. that And that it, that's what I'm saying is like, why is he wearing the suit then? Like, he has no reason to hide his identity anymore. The whole point of the suit is to protect his loved ones. That's always been a staple of his character. He's always been a lone warrior. And so I see this trailer. And and, and the other thing, my problem with Homecoming was that the whole plot, you know, described the plot to me. Oh, some bad guys are getting a hold of some weapons and he's got to stop them. But his mentor figure thinks that's a bad idea. So he does it anyways. And then his mentor says, okay, you were right. I was wrong. And and really, it was a meta plot. It was all about how does Spider-Man fit in the larger universe. And I didn't like that. That didn't buy me. So I look at this trailer and I'm like, okay, what are they going to do to draw me back in? Oh, they're going to shoehorn more Marvel connections. Okay, what's the plot? Oh, he's, he's, okay, they're bringing in Mysterio. Now, I have wanted to see Mysterio as a Spider-Villain for a long time. But I'm sorry, he looks like garbage in this. How is it that the CGI in Spider-Man 1 from almost 20 years ago looks better than the CGI in this? And I'm, I'll be I'll be the first to say that I think the Spider-Man CGI in the first in the original movie was awful. But here he, it's like he's got noodle arms or something. You know, he, like Mysterio just doesn't look real to me. And uh, and once again, there's a plot where the major action sequences are taking place in a place other than New York. Um, and it's like, okay, a one-off movie like that is fine, but two Spider-Man movies in a row, it's almost like they're realizing how repetitive it is to have all your Marvel movies have major action scenes in New York. And I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm getting angry about this, but this isn't Spider-Man to me. This is Marvel Cinematic okay, Universe all right. Spider-Man. I gotta stop you right there. All right, first off, no, no, no. Hold on a second now. Hold on. They all take place in New York City. First and foremost. Secondly, what are you talking about? Two Spider-Man movies in a row take place outside of New York City? 
I said the major action sequences. But so you said like in two, the first one, you said two Spider-Man movies. Yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. Where does he go? He goes to Washington, D.C. Major action sequence. It's not like the old ones where we're constantly seeing that him swinging around scene. New York City. Yeah, but still, it's not like the originals where, you know, we're constantly... The whole reason he's in New York City is because tall buildings. It's the most visually impressive to see him swinging around. We didn't get very much of that in, in Homecoming. No, And now there's going to be a whole movie... Because he was in a different location. We've never seen him outside of New York City. We finally get a chance to see him outside of New York City. Not only that, we get to see him in Jersey and also deal with the exact same situation. He's like, how do I chase after the vulture if I have no buildings? I guess I better run and I don't have any other way of, of, of figuring it out because I'm still just a kid. So yes, of course I'm going to geek out when Tony Stark says, hey, kid, you want to... You want, want to team up? Want to come with me and, and help fight like half the Avengers? Because they got they're bad right now. We got to go fight them. Yeah, I'm going to geek out. You know why? Because I'm a kid in 2018 or a kid in whatever year uh, Civil War came out. Like he's, he's going to geek out. Any, any kid would geek out if he, if, if you're so, if you're, if you, if your hero comes up to you and says, Steven, I want to write this book with you. You're not going to geek out. You're not going to be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm writing it with you. Any, your well, fate, your favorite. You're not going to freak out. We'll see. That's just it, though. Peter Parker would not be like that. Peter Parker is a lone wolf. He does not work well with are others. Are you saying the Peter Parker, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you, say, are you talking about the Peter Parker from way back when? Or are you talking about Peter Parker in recent incarnations? Because obviously they're pulling from a Peter Parker from recent incarnations. And see, that's what that doesn't interest me at all, because that takes away his relatability. The whole point. How does it take away his relatability if he is acting like one of our students? He's oh my gosh! You you are transposing my argument. How is he? How am I he, transposing your argument? I'm telling you, he's acting like one of our students. Okay, Peter Parker is not supposed to be the average student in that regard. He is <laughs> supposed to think for himself. He's relatable in that he deals with human trauma and, and suffering, but he's not gonna be like, oh yay, Mister Stark. Da 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 da. da. He works alone. That's one of the things that makes him, I don't want to say tragic, but that is one of the things that he makes him a little more endearing. He works alone because he's a kid. No one wants to work with a kid. That's why Shazam is like almost constantly getting kicked out of the Justice League because they're like, yeah, he can get into the body of an adult, but really, he's just a kid. He's just Billy Batson. I mean- one of okay, Spider-Man's first appearances was him trying to get into the Fantastic Four and they kicked him out. That was the Fantastic Four seeing, uh, basically making him audition, and he just goes along with it thinking, oh, that might be cool, but he has a real ca- like casual attitude about it. And, it, and they walk away with everyone realizing, yeah, he doesn't work well with groups, and he's like, yeah, I guess I don't. And that, I mean, that's, and that to me is Spider-Man. And I'm sorry. How can I you don't... say Spider-Man doesn't work well with groups? I don't understand that. How can you say that Spider-Man, Spider-Man can't work well with groups? It's not that he can't. It's that he doesn't. 
And all I'm seeing here is just a whole lot of stories of him being just as they literally just had a critically acclaimed comic book run where a whole bunch of spider-men from different organizations team up or not sorry not organizations but different dimensions team up to beat the bad guys because they're like the only way we can defeat them is if we all team up Okay, well, I have not read an incarnation of Spider-Man from the last 10 years, so I'm going off of what I go with, okay? And I I don't like what I see. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Steven, 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 you're going to give me, I tell you, you, you make my blood pressure rise so much on this show. It's what I live for, sir. I just, I just, <laughs> yeah. I just, I know, I can't, I cannot... I know I should, I, I'm going to drop it, but still, I can't. I can't. I cannot let it go. I will talk to you more about this after the show. I can already feel Dave. Hey, Dave. I can already feel Dave, hey, Dave. texting me right now. <laughs> like, what is Steven talking about? Uh, audience, let us know. Um, in the Facebook group, especially. Let us know, because we got a discussion thread there. Uh, what you all think of the trailer. Do you agree? Do you agree with Lindley? Do you agree with me? Or do you disagree with Steven? A, a Marcus, be fair. That doesn't sound... A. I can tell you... Well, no, I can already answer with you. They disagree because I'm reading... I'm literally reading the discussion thread right now. Where everybody's like, I like the trailer. Well... Here's a counterpoint to y'all's opinions. I'm going, you know what? I'm going to put, I'm going to link it. I'm going to link it in the discussion thread. And I'm going to be like, if you agree with Steven, like this. If you disagree, give the frowny face emoji. (laughs) (laughs) And call it a day. Um, But, guys, we've talked about trailers. We've talked about Netflix picks. We've even talked about the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, but you know what we gotta talk about? We gotta talk about the movie of the weekend. It's been on everybody's <sighs> minds. The critics hate it. Fans are loving it. Let's get down and dirty in our main event. It's main event time. Glass. The 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 end of a trilogy that began so many years ago. Did not realize we were getting a, a second movie. Um, then it was revealed at the end that it was a sequel to Unbreakable um, in Split. And then we were told um, we were told that uh, Glass was next up um, and that it would come out in a few years later. And much to no one's surprise, I feel, I, I was not surprised when critics said that they did not like Glass. Um, because I feel like it's cool for critics to do that. <laughs> I feel like it was like, it, it was like some sort of critic bingo. It was like superhero movie and it's also M. Night Shyamalan. I definitely hate it. I will say no good things about this M. Night Shyamalan superhero <laughs> movie because I hate superhero movies. I hate M. Night Shyamalan movies and I'm going to bash them both. Going to be super critical. If I was a superhero, that would be my name. But. Super critic. (laughs) 
but audiences enjoyed it. Um, Lindley, you got to see the movie first, so give yeah, us your thoughts on the movie on the movie first. Well, first of all, I have a message to the people who I saw Glass went. I went by myself, but it was a pretty full theater. To the seven people who were on their phones during the movie, you are the worst sort of person. If you can't be off your phone for a two-hour movie, then don't go to the movies. And that's the end of that rant. Um, I liked Glass. I don't think it was... It's definitely not as strong as the first two that came before it. But it had good moments. Mm. It really did. But it also had its bad moments, too. It wasn't... It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was It was fine. Mm-hmm. It was fine. That's how Glass was for me. It was fine. Gotcha. Um, highlights are... Def- James McAvoy still kills it. Mm-hmm. You can still, like, clearly pinpoint each personality. And he's just so much fun to watch. And he does it Every time faster. he changes... He does it faster in this one than he did. Yes, and in you the, see even split. more personalities than you did in Split. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely the highlight of the movie. He definitely steals the show, and they give they give his his personalities a conflict. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the the good personalities and Kevin versus the Horde. Now even the Horde has conflict inside itself. And you're just seeing how much it's still eating at Kevin. Mm -hmm. And it's heartbreaking to watch. It really is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I love how the movies are connected. Not just about like, oh, Bruce Willis, oh, this is now in the same movie. You find out how everything connects back to that first movie, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. And I like how you think that that's the twist, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I think those were my strong points Mm -hmm. of the film. Uh, Weak points... I mean, Bruce Willis is there. He's there. You know, he's getting paid. Right. He starts off fine, but once you get into, like, the second and third act, it's just like, he seems so bored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He does seem really bored. And I, a lot of his line deliveries, I don't actually believe... But, you know, it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. He's Bruce Willis. He can get away with it. Uh, there were several shots in the movie that I wasn't a fan of. There's some weird camera angles in this that kind of are jarring. And a lot of shots that go from one to another that don't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where structurally the movie, you know, derails a bit. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's fine. I had a good time watching it. I would suggest if you're going to see Glass, definitely, 
You, you definitely need to watch Unbreakable first. Go back, watch Unbreakable, watch Split, then go see this. Mm-hmm. Another thing I have to say, for a movie called Glass, I thought this movie would be more focused on Mr. Glass. Mm-hmm. But there's really not much to it. Mm-mm. That no, It's nothing we haven't seen already from Mr. Glass. We got more Mr. Glass out of Unbreakable than we did in the movie called Glass. Mm-hmm. That was a little misleading. I feel like they called it Glass just to round off the trilogy for the three main uh, hero slash villain trio. Mm-hmm. But I was wanting more out of Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. I don't think we got the full potential out of him, and I wanted to see more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's what I have to say about Glass. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I um, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was not the best movie that I have ever seen. <clears throat> um, but I yeah. I definitely I definitely enjoyed it. Um, it okay. So I I have to I have to take it back just a little bit. So, as far as <coughs> as far as this movie goes, um, this has kind of been like my issue with people when it comes to superhero movies, um, and kind of what I feel was the true point of Glass. Um, I look at movies like The Dark Knight. I look at movies like Aquaman, which I saw recently. Um, I look at movies like Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse, um, shows like The Punisher, and then to watch Glass today. And here, here's what I take away from, from those. And I use those specifically for a reason. I liked a movie like Aquaman. It wasn't the best superhero movie that I've ever seen. But I like a movie like Aquaman because it's not ashamed of what it is. And I feel like we need to stop. If you don't like superhero movies, don't go see a superhero movie. You know what I mean? If you don't like it, then don't go see it. Um, But one thing that I do appreciate is (coughs) when it embraces the superhero corniness, when it says like, okay, like this dude's name is Ocean Master. And he has a weird mask. Guess what? We're going to we're going we're going to embrace it because guess what? That's the source material. Um, a movie like The Dark Knight. It's a good movie, but as far as is it a superhero movie? No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say so. You could throw you could have thrown anybody else in there. It did not have to be Batman. It did not have to be Joker. And it would still have been a great movie. It's so good. I watched it the other day and it still holds up. It does, but again, you don't need Batman for that movie to be great. You don't need Joker for that movie to be great. You could have had a character like Batman, or you and you could have had a character like Joker, and guess what? Still would have been great. But it's but it is but I will say that it is ashamed of being a superhero movie because a superhero movie has it needs to embrace the things that make that made it cool in the first place from the comic books. 
Um, we were talking on on Not So Famous uh, this week. Um, the episode just came out, so take give it a listen after this show. Um, but we were talking on Not So Famous about comic books, and we had um, we had a special guest, Michael Sneed, um, who was a cartoonist. Um, encourage you guys to check out his work. Uh, he we asked him like, hey, what was what was a comic book that really got you got you into it? Um, got you into uh, into comic books in the first place. And the thing, and we kind of round tabled it. We kind of all said like, what, what was it that got us into it? Um, and there's just something about a comic book that just sucks you in. That's, that's what we need to see more of. And I, and I'm saying this cause you're like, cause you're probably like, all right, Marcus, what does that have to do about glass? The thing that has to do about glass is that I feel like glass is part commentary on that. Okay, because you have this world and I'm not spoiling anything, but you have this world that wants to silence superheroes and the idea that maybe just maybe heroes exist. And that if you do believe that something is wrong with you. You know, something is clearly wrong with you if you feel that way and i love the twist i love the twist ending i didn't think i liked it and then as and then as i kind of drove home and thought about it i was like i really kind of love it because it's kind of a big middle finger to anybody who who doesn't like comic books it's like look this this stuff is here okay and you're either going to like it and embrace it or you're not. But it's here. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like and I feel like really that is what to me, that's really why it's called glass. It's called glass partially because, yeah, we need to round it out for the names. But it's also this idea, this idea that's that's been breaking since Unbreakable that you can't have corny elements within a comic book you can't have these it's always got to be it's always got to be grounded in reality even marvel is guilty of that of saying that it has to be grounded in reality um we can't introduce thor yet because people have to be built up to believe in magic why why do i have to be built up to that same thing in 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 the movie glass uh, uh, Sam Jackson's character, when he does speak, he is constantly wondering that same exact question. He's been wondering that question since Unbreakable. Why? Why am Why am I not allowed to believe this? Why am I lo- not allowed to believe that I can be something more? <laughs> and, I mean, you know, obviously you see it in the trailer. <laughs> you know, he he work he works to prove that. Mm-hmm. And he works to bring that out of everybody else to be like, why can't we be something more? Why can't I be the villain? Why can't you be the hero? Why can't he also, why can't we team up? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And to me, that is, it's it's like Black Panther. It's not so much that it's a great movie on what is why I like it. There's better movies. There really is. 
Um, but I do like it. I do appreciate it for what me personally, that's what I got from it. What I got from it was, hey, it's okay to like the corniness of comic books. It's okay to, you know, if you were a kid and you're like, man, like me, man, I really love Batman. One day I want to be just like that guy. I want to, I, I want to fight crime. I want to, I want to put on a cape and just, and, and be the hero. That's what I want. It's okay. And glass and the, the whole, the whole trilogy is like, it's okay. If you are different, there's nothing wrong with you. You just embrace what makes you different and go with it and be great. Which is, which is what I kind of took away from from one of the last lines. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, I, I, because I kept thinking, I'm like, I'm like, why? Because it's just, it's, it's structured. The movie is structured weird. Because you're right. There's not a lot of Bruce Willis. There's not a lot of Samuel Jackson. There's a lot of James McAvoy, but I mean, how can you not watch James McAvoy? I mean, if you're, if I'm the director, uh. That's the moneymaker. But that's what I'm taking. But that's, again, that's that's what I that's what I take away from it, personally. But, hey, I mean, I might be looking too much into it. Again, like I said, it's not the best movie in the world by any stretch of imagination. I still think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is probably the best movie I've seen in a long time. Well, mm-hmm. maybe since Infinity War, and even then, it gets real close. Um, but... As far as did I feel like I wasted my money? Absolutely not. Like I felt there, I felt like I got my money's worth. And the fact that I'm able to articulate this from after watching it can't be too bad of a movie. (laughs) Critics. So, yes, that's what I think. (laughs) Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steven, you red boxing it, man? Um, I'm still deciding if I want to actually see it in theaters because, um, I, you know, I didn't see Unbreakable in theaters when it came out. I caught it on DVD a few years later and I mean, I've waited for, you know, the sequels and the conclusion to it for so long and, uh, just kind of hearing y'all talking about it. I think I may actually try to catch it in the theater if possible. Mm. I would. I think it's worth it just so you're not spoiled. Yeah. With the twist, I mean, it's a shamal, it's a, it's a shamalama ding dong production. It's gonna have a twist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'll, yeah, I'll... but I mean, matinee it, matinee it. <clears throat> yeah, matinee it. Five dollar Tuesday, all the above. <laughs> Just um, gotcha, gotcha. But I would definitely, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with Lily. I would definitely check it out and. To be to be quite honest, when I when I finished watching it, I was like, you know what? I might buy like a like a trilogy pack of it when it comes out, just to, okay. just to own it, you know, because I feel like it is. It's one of those. It's one of those movies that I feel like, if the conversation is allowed to go beyond, it's a Shyamalan movie, you know. If it's if it's if it gets looked at more as it's a commentary on superhero movies i'm sorry the well just the superhero phenomenon that we're in right now um i think it could be one of those movies that 
filmmakers should look at and say, dang, like what what should we make different about our um, about our comp? I'm sorry, about our movies to make them stronger. See, see, I'm glad you said that because I've always felt that way about pretty much all of M. Night Shyamalan's movies. Mm -hmm. Like everyone, you know, going back as far as, you know, signs or uh, the village lady in the water everyone complains like oh they're not that scary and then like they nitpick it to death but i think they miss a lot of the bigger themes and ideas behind them mm -hmm. and yeah, the lady in the water is pretty terrible <laughs> oh oh Lindley, we need to have a conversation sometime about lady in the water yes are you seriously going to defend lady in the water I liked it. I was about to say, Stephen Stephen convinced me to like it. Uh, we had a conversation about it, I think, in college. I, and we I, were like, well, yeah, we did. Like we like, okay, okay. I will I will grant you that it's not the best film on this particular topic. And I think, Marcus, we kind of came to the agreement like Pan's Labyrinth mm -hmm. was the sort of movie that Lady in the Water wanted to be. Right. Um uh, you know, Pan's Labyrinth is the better movie, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of really good ideas uh, in his movies. Um, when you get past the, you know, uh, some of the things now, okay, the less we talk about the happening in Last Airbender, the better. Mm -hmm. But, no. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, Unbreakable really is one of my all-time favorite films. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I was a little hesitant, actually, about Glass, just because it's almost like, you know, I, I've had this idea in my head for so long of what, you know, the trilogy would look like, because he was always talking about making a trilogy out of it, uh, even as far back as, you know, when Unbreakable first came out. And to kind of see how it's played out, it's definitely not exactly how I pl I, I figured he would go about it. Um, but it still would be nice to kind of see what he does with the conclusion. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it is reassuring to kind of see someone who actually did eventually finish his planned trilogy, even though it took him like, what, 19 years mm -hmm. to finally do. Um so, so yeah, I may, I may try to go see it. Well, I think this, and I think, I think one of the reasons maybe for the hesitation to put it out, um, did you guys ever see Chronicle? Yeah. Chronicle is a weird superhero movie. It, cause it is. Yeah, but it's great though. It, it, it is, but it's a weird superhero movie that I feel like the Unbreakable trilogy is, um, like that's that's what chronicle is chronicle is this idea of it's almost like a what it's almost like a what if issue of a comic book you know what if society what if in this comic book society uh comic book heroes were solely just that comic books what happens when one person discovers they have superpowers or in the case of chronicle what happens when three kids get superpowers and one you know. of the kids is mentally unstable. <laughs> one of the kids becomes mentally unstable, right? But then you have Unbreakable, where it's like, what if, you know, this guy discovers he has powers? Okay, next question. What if he meets his arch nemesis? What if somebody comes along that's as strong as him? And then how does... And the thing that's nice in Glass is, 
how does society now react to it? Which normally I hate in comic books. Like I hate, I feel like that was a weird choice in in the DCEU as far as like, let's make the world hate truth, justice in the American way. <laughs> really? Like we, we're all, we all just, we all hate Superman, huh? Okay. Yeah, that that's not a thing. Um, you know, it's weird. That, well, well, that was just lazy writing. It was. Because everyone was like, you know, the ending to Man of Steel was so terrible that they tried to justify it by including critics' reaction to it. And it was like, no, that was just y'all being lazy with your writing. Right. But it, the thing, but what, the point I'm trying to make is if you take that. If you take, like, society doesn't trust superheroes and you put it in a movie like Unbreakable, now it makes sense. Yeah. Now I believe it. You don't do that with – I feel like you can't do that with an established hero. Maybe with someone like Batman because that's a part of his mythos. Yeah. But you can't – I feel like you can't right out of the gate do that with Superman. You can't have everybody distrust him because that's just not who he is. That's not what society would actually do to somebody who doesn't really do anything bad. He only ever does good. And the thing in in, in the thing with uh, Unbreakable and Split and Glass is that you don't know why these people can do that, or rather, you don't know if they're actually if they actually have powers or are they uh, mentally deranged. You don't know. But that that answer and more comes up in the movie Glass. So, audience, check it out. Please go see it. Um, you know, after you listen to this podcast, you probably got enough time. Go get that matinee ticket. Um, don't get an IMAX. I almost did IMAX, and I'm so glad I didn't because it's not a movie for IMAX. I don't know why it's it's in there um but it is definitely definitely a movie that you do not want to miss so guys we have reached the end of our show as always it has been lovely talking with both of you even though steven made me mad earlier but steven always makes me mad on the show so it's just fine (laughs) well marvel made me mad so nah well, Stephen, so that everyone can tell you how wrong you are about Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, uh, where can they reach you to tell uh, you? Folks, <laughs> well, I don't know if you can tell me here exactly, but um, if you want to find my YouTube channel, Bailey's Film Workshop, just head over to YouTube and type in Bailey's Film Workshop. And there it is. Yes, yes. Of course. And you're on Twitter, too, aren't you? Uh, yes, I am on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on Twitter uh, at Bailey's Workshop. Uh, Lindley, what about you? Um, folks at home, you can mostly find me on Instagram at Little Lottie. That's L-O-T-T-I-E. Uh, check out my Instagram stories. I'm doing a 30-day music challenge, which is really fun right now. And I got an Outlander calendar for Christmas, so I'm posting of the, the little tearaway. It's one of those tearaway <laughs> calendars. So you can have a daily Outlander goodies with you me. Would, 
you and that Outlander, you really need to go on the Facebook group I'm and not, see if there's okay, Outlander there fans. Only, there, there, oh, trust me, there are, and they're, they're all, um, you know, married housewives. And I'm, so, yeah, mm-hmm. We'll bring them on to bring them on to the group so you can talk about Outlander. I'm tired of yes. I'm tired of you not talking about Outlander on the show. You need to have an outlet there's, to talk about it. And there's also two more episodes in this season. The one that comes out this Sunday, when this podcast is going to be released into the world, and then we have one more, and then the Droughtlander begins. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not. I don't. I don't think anyone was ready for the Droughtlander. I didn't even know it was a thing. Steven, I didn't did even coin that term. That's an actual term. I love that we it's... brought it back to something weather-related at the end of the show. <laughs> oh, hey, <God>. you <laughs> promised. You promised nothing weather-related. During the show. And then I said it was over, and then we Lies brought it back. slander. Uh, audience, you can always find me at Mark, M-A-R-C underscore Leroy. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Popcorn Prattle Facebook page. You can also find me. All right, here we go. You'll find me on Not So Famous with Mitchell Hansen. Matter of fact, we put out an episode right before this one. Uh, so definitely go check that out um, where we talk a little bit more about uh, John Wick 3 because I know that Mitchell was very excited about that. Um, you guys can also find me on Continuum Force, a new audio drama where I play Mr. Connor Dannard um, as we go through time solving mysteries and saving the world. Uh, and special announcement, these two, they just found out, um, and I was very happy that they were so excited for it because I am super excited about this show. We have a new podcast in our network. Um, ladies and gentlemen, next month we will have our third podcast under the Shenanigans Inc. banner called... Roll initiative. If you have ever wanted to get into D&D, um, but maybe some very weird people in your student center made you a little nervous to never sit on a couch and play D&D, and then your allegedly best friend leaves you to play with these same people, still never going to forget that, Stephen, um, leaves you. And uh, you're forced hey, to... I, I, w- I was just being smart. I had to get out. Well, man. you could have been smart for both of us, buddy. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, man. In that situation, it's every man for himself. Well, let me tell you something. It will not be every man for himself because we are proud to announce uh, our newest podcast, Roll Initiative, uh, created by Mr. Sam Fulton, when we start to get some graphics and we start to get some teaser trailers, um, we will definitely uh, let you guys see that so that you can get hyped and watch the show. Because I'm going to be on it. I'm going to be on it. Be, I'll be going crazy on a third podcast. I play like a demon thing. I can't remember his name, but like I am super excited. And apparently I have to learn like a Nigerian accent for it. Do you climb a demonology tree? Oh, well, we don't talk about trees of demonology. audience on that note guys i think that is everything so audience i leave you with this from all of us to all of you we wish you peace love and tranquility you all take care now 